right. Well, let's go ahead and take our Bible and turn to John chapter number 16. John chapter number 16. And uh, we're going to continue on with our series here, Continuing Doctrine. And uh, we're just learning basic Bible doctrine, major the major Bible doctrines. And uh, we could get really a lot more thorough than we're getting. Um, but uh, we're just kind of scratching the surface just to maybe whet your appetite a little bit so that you uh, learn and grow on your own. Um, certainly the Bible is uh, not just for me. It's for everybody. And uh, so go for it. Uh, dive in a little more if you'd like to. But uh, we're going to now turn our attention to the doctrine. This is, I'll give you a theological 50 cent word. We're going to look at pneumatology. That's the study of the Holy Spirit. You probably already knew that. And in case you didn't, you can act like you knew that, okay? Uh, but uh, pneumatology is the, uh, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Pneuma is spirit. And so anyway, we're going to be uh, turning our attention to the Holy Spirit. Now, before we uh, get too far, far into this, I would just like to say in, in, in the scriptures, the emphasis is not on the Holy Spirit. The scriptures, the emphasis is on the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And, and even the ministry of the Holy Spirit is really to point to the Lord Jesus Christ rather than to himself. Now, it's not to say that he's not a part of the Trinity. He's absolutely every bit as part of the Trinity as the Father is, as the Jesus the Son is. But um, the, the role that the Holy Spirit plays is he points people to Christ. And, uh, and, and so the emphasis is on Christ and and, and so anyway, there's, there's churches that their whole emphasis is on the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and the charismatic movement in, in particular, and a lot of the Pentecostal uh, movement is all about the Holy Spirit. Well, that's not really the role that the Holy Spirit wants. Uh, he pushes the attention to uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at that as we study him um, we're not probably going to get to that part of it uh, tonight, but I am just uh, giving you a little bit of a heads up on that. All right, John 16, verse number 7. We're going to read down through verse number 14. Um, verse 7 says this, Nevertheless, Jesus is speaking here, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. And the disciples are probably like, we don't want you to go away. But Jesus is saying, it's expedient, it's good, it's healthy, it's necessary that I do go away. Because he says, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, this is the Holy Spirit, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. So here Jesus is saying, again, this, the Holy Spirit, his role is to uh, testify of the Lord and, and uh, glorify Jesus, uh, the Son. 
And that's, that's his role. Now, there is a, obviously a lot of confusion in churchianity, okay, and even in Christianity regarding the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Um, there is a lot of misunderstanding, a lot of um, confusion, as I said, regarding uh, the Holy Spirit and what his role is. And uh, perhaps you've heard of things like being slain in the Spirit, um, being uh, speaking in tongues because that's a gift of the Spirit. And we're gonna we're gonna deal with that not tonight, but um, eventually here in the next in the next few weeks, uh, we're, we'll we'll deal with some of these issues because they are um, they are they do pop up in conversation when dealing with people. So uh, we'll we'll deal with that. Uh, but tonight we're gonna just talk about the fact that. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not just an influence. It's not just he. He's not just a force. He he has a personality. He's a person of the Trinity, and and some people do believe that the Holy Spirit is not a person. He's just a um, he's just a, a a force, an influence, as I said. But but that's not the case at all. He he's very much ha- he very much has a personality. So tonight we're going to look at the personality of the Holy Spirit, and then next time we'll dive into uh, really the deity of of the Holy Spirit, the fact that he has uh, attributes that um, are the same that the Holy that, that the Father has, as well as the uh, as the Son has. Okay, so let's look at some reasons why. Um, are some things that point to the fact that he does have a personality. First, let's look at the attributes uh, that confirm his personality. What are some things about the Holy Spirit that say, yes, he, 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 is, he is a person. He's not just a, uh, uh, a force or an influence. Um, first of all, the first attribute is the fact that he has intellect. Intellect. He, he knows things, okay? The Holy Spirit has intellect as the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, okay? So turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to do a little sword drill as we go through this uh, message tonight. So hopefully you're quick on your uh, your references and, and, and finding them quick because we're going to do this. And if you can just, if you just want to um, write the references down, that's fine. But okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 10. The Bible says this, But God hath revealed unto them unto us, by his spirit, for the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So the, the, the Holy Spirit searches all things, and the word search here means to examine or to investigate a matter. The Holy Spirit examines the depths of God and reveals them to all of us who are believers. Um, so he has intellect, um, and part of that he has, he has knowledge. Uh, no human being has an awareness or knowledge of the thoughts of God, but the Holy Spirit understands the mind of God. In verse number uh, 11 here, it says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. So the spirit knows these things about God, and he reveals them to us as believers. He has a mind. Uh, even as the Holy Spirit knows the Father, the Father knows the mind of the Spirit. Okay, one reference here, Romans 8, Romans eight twenty seven. 27. Um, it says, And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit. So he has a mind, okay? 
You and I, we have intellect. You and I have knowledge. You and I have a mind. And so does the Holy Spirit. Um, and so he, he's not just an influence, a force. He, he has these things that a person has. Okay, he has intellect. Um, he also has emotions. Uh, emotions or sensibility means to have feelings, to have an awareness and an ability to respond to something. Ephesians 4.30 is the reference here. So if you want to flip over there, Ephesians 4.30. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Now the context emphasizes that the Holy Spirit is grieved when a believer sins by, in this passage here, lying, um, uh, being, being angry, um, by stealing or being lazy. Um, in, in verse number 29, letting these uh, corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth. When we do those things, what happens is we're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. And I would say that most of us have been grieved before. Um, when, you know, uh, we're seeing things in our country go the way they are morally with the rise in uh, the LGBTQ community and, and it just being so rampant. I read a statistic um, this week that 71% of the country is tolerant of this type of a lifestyle. And 25 years ago, it was not even close to that high. I mean, it was a vast majority were not approving of that. But in just 25 years' time, a quarter of a century, the, the shift in that is just, it's grieving to us. Most of us are grieved by that. And, and we see states, you know, be a sanctuary state for abortion. That grieves us. Well, uh, the Holy Spirit is grieved when we sin. Okay, and so he has emotion just like you and I, uh, you and I do. And as a person who is grieved, a mere influence cannot be grieved. Okay, what else does the Holy Spirit have that uh, points to the fact that he is uh, a person? Well, he also has a will. The Holy Spirit has a will indicating that he has the power of sovereign choice and decision. The Holy Spirit distributes spiritual gifts, gifts just as he wills. Okay, uh, go to 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and verse number, uh, I'll pick it up in verse number 8, for to one is given by the Spirit the word of knowledge, to another the word of, uh, word of wisdom, sorry, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11 says, But all these worketh that one, and the selfsame Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. So the Holy Spirit has a will. And he gives to each of us have a, a spiritual gift, at least one. And uh, it was the Holy Spirit who decided which one I received and which one you received. It was because, it was because he has a will. Um, the idea of sovereign choice here is evident in this statement. By way of analogy, the same word will is used to describe the will of God the Father in James 1.8. Just as the Father has a will, so the Holy Spirit has a will. 
Um, here's another reference for you. Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter number 16. In verse number 6. The Bible says this in verse number 5. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased number daily. Now when they had gone throughout uh, Perga, Pergia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. You think, well, don't Asian people need to hear the gospel? <laughs> yeah, but the Holy Spirit here had a will for them to go elsewhere to go to uh, Macedonia. And the Holy Spirit here forbade them to preach the word in Asia. And, uh, and it says here in verse 7, And they were come to Messiah, and they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. The Spirit said no. Passing by, uh, Mysia came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man in Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And then we know that because of that, the church at Philippi was started. And we have the book of Philippians as a result. And, but it was the Holy Spirit there that kind of said, Okay, I'm going to step in here and exert my will that you do not go to Asia, but instead you go to Macedonia instead. Okay, so uh, his attributes, um, here's, the, here's the deal. Uh, th these scripture passages that we, we went through teach that the Holy Spirit has intellect, emotion, and will, and that's part of a genuine personality. So his attributes confirm his personality. Next, his works confirm his personality. Now, we're not going to, these are not, I didn't go through all his attributes. We'll go through more that confirm his deity. Uh, next time. But his works here also confirm his personality, and we're not going to go through all of his works, just some of the ones that point to the fact that he has a personality. Um, all right, first, uh, what, which, what works does he do? Well, first, the Spirit teaches. Uh, before Jesus departed from the disciples, he encouraged them by telling them that he would send them another comforter. And that's the text that we read a little bit ago. Um, John chapter 16. Um, and in fact, John chapter number 14, in verse numbers, <coughs> John 14, verse number 16 says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And then in chapter 16, he tells them again that it's good for me to go away because then the comforter will come. And uh, he's going to come and he's going to teach. John 14, 26 tells us, uh, The comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So the comforter was going to come, and one of the jobs and one of the responsibilities and works that he was going to do was he's going to teach. Um, does a force teach that? Does an influence teach that? No, a person uh, teaches. So the Holy Spirit would perform and carry on the same, same kind of teaching ministry as Christ did. The Holy Spirit would cause them to remember the things that Christ taught them earlier. The Spirit would confirm uh, Jesus' teachings. All right, so the Spirit teaches. Uh, the Holy Spirit next testifies. 
Jesus promised that the disciples that the Holy Spirit will bear witness of me in John 15, verse number 26. It says, When the Comforter is come, whom I will send un unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. He's going to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, not of himself. The, the Spirit's not trying to point everybody to him. Like, hey, you need just to worship me. I mean, yes, he's part of the Trinity. He's part of, he, he is God, okay? I, I try to be careful and, and say the right things here. Um, but he, his, his, he's going to be testifying of the Lord Jesus. And that, that was his role. And that's one of the works that he does. So he testifies. Now, if you have a court case and uh, you um, need a witness, do you call in a force to come and take the witness stand? Doesn't really exactly work too good, does it? Or an influence? No, no, no. you need a person to go and stand and uh, give a testimony, and, and, and the Holy Spirit uh, has that role. Okay, so... Uh, the Spirit testifies. The Holy Spirit also guides. Next, He guides. Jesus declared that when the Holy Spirit would come, He would guide them into all truth. And this is John 16, verse 13. I remember memorizing this verse in Bible college. We had to memorize this in Bible doctrines class when we studied the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And we had to memorize it with the punctuation. We were graded on punctuation. So every time I've ever taught a Bible class, uh, whether, whether it's college level or whatever, and I've had them memorized, I tell them, you have to memorize also the punctuation. Yes, you do. Because the punctuation is important. Well, here in verse number 13, it says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself. Whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So he guides. The picture is that of a guide or an escort leading a traveler into, ter into territory unfamiliar to the traveler, but familiar to the guide. And one of the things that comes to my mind, um, I've taken several tours before, but my favorite tour that I ever took was when uh, my family, my dad and brother and I went to the East Coast, and we went to Pennsylvania, and we went to Gettysburg. And uh, what we, we were going to kind of just drive around, and we didn't really know what to expect. It was the days before, like, you searched everything online and figure out what the best way to do things were. We just kind of showed up and went to the, uh, the tourist center, you know, and, and what they were doing was they were trying to get people to purchase a tour guide to drive your car around the battle area so that you're not going when they're like, oh, look over here. And then you're like, okay. <laughs> um, so anyway, they had, we, my dad decided to do this. He, he purchased um, someone to, he paid for a tour guide to drive our rental vehicle around and show us the different sites and it was, it was great. And then we could focus on looking and not driving, and it was excellent. And that's, that, that's what happened here, okay? The picture is that of a guide or escort leading a traveler into territory unfamiliar to the traveler, but familiar to the guide. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He guides. 
uh, just like a human being, like a person would guide someone else. Uh, the Spirit guides as well. Again, showing His personality. What else does the Spirit do? Well, He also convicts. John 16, in verse number 8, um, we looked at this in our text. I read it, it says, And when He has come, the Holy Spirit, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So the word reprove here is also, also means convicting. Um, he he convict, convinces someone of something, points something out to someone. Okay, the Holy Spirit acts as a divine prosecutor in convicting the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. All right, so the Spirit convicts. What else? The Spirit regenerates. The one who experiences the new birth, being born again, has been born of the Holy Spirit. He has been regenerated by the Spirit, just as the Son of God gives life to believers. So the Holy Spirit regenerates people. Okay, Titus 3.5 is the reference here. Titus chapter number 3 and verse number 5. I need, to, I need to go back here and read verse 3. And just to get the context, because I just love this little passage here. Paul says to Titus, he says, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. I think I referenced this on Sunday night. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ. But then notice verse number five here, not, uh, not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and look at this, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Okay, so he regenerates. He's part of that regenerate, regeneration process. All right, one, a couple more here. Um, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit next intercedes. In the, time of a, in the time of a believer's weakness, the Holy Spirit takes the believer's groanings and intercedes on behalf of that believer. Eight, Romans 8, 26, if you'd turn over there. Now you might be thinking, wait a minute, a couple weeks ago, at least I hope you're thinking this, Wait a minute, a couple weeks ago, when you were talking about the works and ministry of Christ, His present ministry, one of the things you said that, G, that, that Jesus is currently doing now is that He is interceding for us. If you're thinking that, which I hope you are, then you would be right. And so now I'm saying that the Holy Spirit, one of His works right now is that He intercedes for us? Yes. It's not a contradiction. They're both interceding on our behalf. Okay, um, here it is, Romans 8 and verse number 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the Spirit takes our prayers and when we kind of don't really know what to pray or how to pray, and, and I've been in those scenarios before, it's like, I'm not really sure what to ask for here. But I know I know I need to pray. And so, Lord, here's what I think. 
I should pray. And, and the Holy Spirit then is able to intercede on my behalf. And he is uh, going to make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And uh, he helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. So the Holy Spirit kind of takes, kicks in there and, uh, and helps us. And, of course, we know in this passage we find that the Lord Jesus does it as well. If you look in verse 34 of Romans 8, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So both the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit are currently right now interceding on our behalf. So that's pretty good. <laughs> that's pretty good. And, and technically, by the way, I'll just kind of make this uh, statement here. Um, when it comes to prayer, a lot of times people wonder who should they pray to. And, and again, a lot of people in the charismatic movement and the Pentecostal churches will pray to the Holy Spirit. Really, technically, we are to pray to the Father through Christ in Jesus' name. Technically, we're to pray to the Father uh, through Christ. Is it wrong to pray to Jesus? No. Is it wrong to pray to Mary? Yes. Okay. Uh, but we're to pray to the Father through Christ. Um, and, and really not to the Holy Spirit. We're never instructed in, this, in the Scriptures to pray to the Holy Spirit. Um, there, there's never an instance where someone in the Bible is praying to the Holy Spirit. Um, so just a little, um, to kind of clear that up maybe in your own mind, um, who you're talking to, you're talking to your Father, your, the, God the Father, through Christ. Okay, so the Spirit intercedes for us. Okay, the last one here that we'll mention um, on this thought here, and that is the, the Holy Spirit commands. He commands. Here's a couple references. They're, they're, both in, um, they're both in Acts, so Acts chapter number 13. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 1. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and uh, Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Verse 2 says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So the Holy Spirit commanded this church family to send forth Barnabas and Saul for missionary work. And, um, and then if you go back to Acts chapter number 8, uh, one more reference here. And then just a reminder as you're turning there in Acts chapter 16, when, when Paul wanted to go to Asia to present the gospel and the Holy Spirit forbade them. In other words, he commanded them not to go. So here's another reference to the commanding. But then in Acts chapter number 8, in verse number 29, this is uh, where Philip goes and talks to the uh, Ethiopian eunuch. And in verse number 29, the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him. And there we have that instance when he goes through uh, the book of Isaiah and uh, leads Philip to Christ and gets baptized, and they both go on their way rejoicing. But 
It started when, verse number 29, when the Spirit said unto Philip, go near. So the Holy Spirit was commanding Philip to go do something. All right, so all these works here kind of prove the fact that this is not just a force. It's not just an influence. It's, it's the Holy Spirit is a person. He has a personality. Okay, and then last, last thought uh, that I'll share with you tonight, and that is his potential confirms his pers- personality, his potential. Because the Spirit can be affected, okay? What can the Spirit, what can we do to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit? Well, first, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. He can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30, I already referenced it already, um, but... When Paul says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, um, he can be grieved, just like you and I can be grieved, but the Holy Spirit can be as well. Um, And he can be grieved when a believer sins, so the Spirit can be grieved. What else? The Spirit can be blasphemed. Blasphemy is normally thought of as being rendered against God the Father, and of course this brings up the whole... um, the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, the unpardonable sin. Um, what is that? Well, it is technically, and, and can, can we still commit the unpardonable sin today? The, the short answer to that, I firmly believe, is no. Uh, because what, what that was, was it was attributing the works of Jesus Christ to Satan uh, when the Holy Spirit had already borne witness to Christ's work as being from the Father. So we can't do that now because Jesus Christ is no longer here on this earth. And you can't point to what he has done and, and say that it's um, the work of Satan. Um, so I, I do not believe that the unpardonable sin can be committed today, although you can make a case that rejecting Christ and you die without Christ, um, that, that sin of rejecting Christ is a sin that doesn't get forgiven after you perish. Um, but the, the point is, um, the Spirit can be blasphemed, okay? Now, blasphemy is normally thought of as being rendered against God the Father, but, and Christ was also blasphemed, but the Holy Spirit was also blasphemed. And in uh, Matthew chapter number 12, I'll just turn over there very quickly. Matthew chapter 12, verse number 32. It says, Whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. Whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Again, that's talking about the um, unpardonable sin there of attributing the works of Christ to Satan. Okay, so the Spirit can be blasphemed. Next, the Spirit can be resisted. And his sermon against the unbelieving Jews, who ultimately stoned him to death, Stephen accused them of being stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, always resisting the Holy Spirit. And that's in Acts chapter number 7, verse number 51. I'm going kind of quick here, but um, just wanted to show you that uh, the Holy Spirit has a personality. Acts 7.51, 51. 
says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do ye. And I would, I would say even Saul himself was resisting the Holy Ghost because he was kicking against the pricks. And I think you can kind of make a case that that was a, uh, a resisting of the Holy Ghost, but he finally gave in after the Lord appeared to him on the way to Damascus. But... Uh, the people really enjoy him, um, Stephen, saying all that in his sermon. I think they really said, ooh, let's give this guy a raise. Uh, no, what happened was, in verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. He, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven, saw the glory of God, Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And then verse 57, they cried out with a loud voice, stop their ears. You know, it's the original, la, 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 I can't hear you. Um, and they ran upon him with one accord, cast him out of the city, stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He kneeled down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, lay not the sin to their charge. Something very similar to what Jesus said when he was on the cross. When he said this, he fell asleep. All right, so by the way, verse 56 is interesting. Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Everywhere else you see him sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. But here Jesus stands up almost in, almost in respect. I don't know uh, what the an appreciation for Stephen being willing to go through this and, and with his attitude the way it was, um, the Lord Jesus stood up. That's pretty amazing. Okay, so uh, the Spirit can be resisted. Next, uh, a couple more and we'll, we'll be done for tonight. The Spirit can be lied to. Lied to. Okay, your Bible's open to Acts chapter 7, if you flip back to Acts chapter number 5. A certain man, in verse 1, named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So they sold their house for, let's say, $100,000, and they bring... $40,000, which is still a significant offering. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if somebody did that in our church. <laughs> that would be a blessing. I mean, imagine what we can do for missions and, and some of the programs we could do and maybe put towards build, build, building a building. I, in fact, there was a lady who visited recently, and I was talking to her on the phone today, and she's like, you guys need to do something about that building. You guys need a bigger building. And I said... Yeah, we are working on it. Uh, we'd like to build another building out there. And um, so anyway, hey, if that happened, that would be a blessing if somebody did that. But what they did, instead of, instead of saying, well, hey, we, we sold it for $100,000. We're only giving you $40,000. Um, they went around telling everybody that they sold the house for $40,000. And that we're giving all of it because we want to be spiritual. We want to be extra generous and give it all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, so I want to give everything. And so they, they did this, but verse 3, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? 
and keep back part of the price of the land. Verse 4, he says, While it remained, was it not thine own? After it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why is thou? He's like, it's fine. You keep the 60,000. Like, nobody cares. That's your business. No one's stopped trying to act super spiritual here. But what they did is they ended up lying. And who did they lie to? Ultimately, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And verse 4 continues, After it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto... What's the next word there? God. So that's a reference to the deity of the Holy Spirit. So, um, and then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down, gave up the ghost. Great fear came upon all them that heard these things, you think? <laughs> and then, uh, then his wife comes in, and she, they rehearsed it. So she went along with the thing that they had talked about saying, and she ended up dying as well. And verse 11, great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. I mean, talk about wonderful community PR, you know, public relations. I mean, go to this church. You might die. <laughs> I mean, that, that'd be great to put on a flyer. You know, the home of the two people who died because they lied. Want to come? <laughs> You're invited. Join us this Sunday. But that's what happened, and great fear came upon everybody uh, because of what happened there. Spirit can be lied to. All right, next. The Spirit also, though, can be obeyed. In Acts chapter number 10, if you flip over there. Acts chapter number 10, and this is the, uh, the instance when Cornelius, who was a very religious man, a very moral man, a good man, but was unsaved. And uh, what happened with him is the Lord sent, and, and he was not a uh, he 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 was not a Jew, and so here's kind of the the start of getting the gospel into the Gentiles, and and Peter was sent to do this, and Peter was not one to want to give the gospel to Gentiles, but I'll kind of speed this up here. In verse number, uh, verse number 19, if you look there, while Peter thought on the vision, basically go and give the gospel to the Gentiles is the long, long, long story short. While, he, while Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, get thee down, go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. But what did Peter do? Verse 21, Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him for, from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one that feareth God and of good report. And verse 23, Then he called the men, lodged them. On the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And at the end of the story, Cornelius gets saved. But here, the Holy Spirit commanded him, kind of have another reference to the commanding here, but then it all, he can also be obeyed. And, and Peter did, and as a result, uh, the gospel starts going to Gentiles, which ultimately, you and I, I don't know if there's any uh, Jewish believers in here to, tonight, I think all of us are Gentiles. 
And because Peter was willing to obey the Spirit, that kind of opened the door for that. Um, and so anyway, all of these things really do kind of show the fact that he's not just a force, not just an influence. He, he has a personality. And uh, his attributes, his works, and the things, the potential, the things that we can do are all things that, you know, my, my kids can obey me. My kids can lie to me because I'm a person. Holy Spirit is also a person as well. He's one of the persons of the, of the Trinity. Now, if we're not careful, we'll just let all these things kind of be like head knowledge. The, the Spirit can be resisted. The Spirit can be lied to. The Spirit can be obeyed. The Spirit can be grieved. Um, I want to encourage all of us to not grieve the Holy Spirit. And this is kind of the sermon part of the message tonight. A lot of it was just kind of information, but uh, if we're not careful, when we sin, we do grieve the Holy Spirit who resides within. And we need to be careful not to do that. We can, when we lie, we're lying ultimately to the Holy Ghost. But we can also obey the Holy Spirit. And one thing that I want to encourage every person in our church is to obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. He does reside within, and He'll guide you into what you should do and what you should not do. And I want to encourage all of us to be obedient to the Holy Spirit as He resides within. Well, let's pray, and then we'll look at some prayer requests tonight. Lord, thank You for allowing us to be here tonight to look in the Word of God and learn about the Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to have a good relationship with the Holy Spirit. Help us to not quench or to grieve the Holy Spirit. Help us to not resist or lie to the Holy Spirit, but rather help us to obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit as He guides us each and every day. Help us, Lord, when You are prompting us, when the Holy Spirit prompts us to do something, help us, uh, Lord, to obey that and uh, to uh, not grieve or quench. And uh, Lord, I thank you for allowing us to be here tonight. And uh, I pray, Lord, as we go our way in a little bit, that uh, we would um, decide to be obedient to every impulse of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.